turned me into a dog. Can you believe this? And you're invited too! Good morning. Welcome to Saturday Morning Obscurities. I'm your co-host and sister, Melissa. I'm your co-host and brother, Jams. Welcome to the show where every week we take a look back at a an old cartoon. You feel like you're the only person who has ever remembered it or seen it. Yeah. Mel, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited for today's episode. This was your pick. Yes! Today, we are going to talk about Meet the Robinsons. This is a 2007 Disney animated feature film that is way weirder than you'd expect it to be. Super underrated. Mm -hmm. Uh, But before we get to that, we have our first segment of the show called What's New Scooby-Doo? Where we talk about any new media, books, and anything that recently we've been enjoying and liking that we'd like to recommend. Uh, Mel, what's new Scooby-Doo with you? Have I talked about the Neighborhood Listen before? I think you mentioned it to me before. It's it's Paul F. Tompkins, right? Yes, yes. This is a improv comedy podcast starring Paul F. Tompkins and Nicole Parker as Burnt Mia Payday and Joan Pedestrian, uh, lifelong love, love citizens, <laughs> lifelong citizens of the town of Dignity Falls. And this podcast is these actors taking real posts off of uh, like nextdoor.com and other neighborhood networking websites. They take these posts and they read them and they adapt them into the lore of this fictional town. And then in every episode, they have a guest come on and improvise a character inspired by one of these posts. That's so much fun. It's one of my favorites. It's on season three right now. Season three is uh, being released uh, beyond a paywall. I could have had it earlier if I wanted to pay for Stitcher Premium, but there's honestly so many free podcasts. I never get around to paying for anything. That's fair. All right. Uh, I'm on the podcast, the ride, Patreon, and that's all I need. Yeah. I'm on the Patreon for uh, Hey Jake and Josh. Kingdom Smarts, because that's a separate one. And I think, I think I'm think i on the Patreon for uh, Campaign Skyjacks. Uh, at least one other one. Uh, but yeah, you had told me about the Neighborhood Listen before, because we were both uh, mutual appreciators of, of Paul mm-hmm. Art. And, and his, Paul Art? Paul F. Tompkins Paul... and his art. I hadn't listened to it yet, because I think it started out behind a paywall. Is it? Yes. The, is the first season out now? Yes. Uh, okay. Season three was just released from behind the paywall, getting released every Monday. And at least when I went back a couple weeks ago, the previous seasons were also still unpaywalled. So you can go back, listen okay. to all all the misadventures and Dignity Falls. One of my favorite aspects of it is that the audio producer of the show plays Joan's husband, Doug, who is the audio producer within the show also. Every episode within this fiction is being recorded by Doug, but he monitors the recording from another room in their house. And Joan is a real estate agent and she has this huge house and they're always making spare rooms into different theme rooms. (laughs) It's like, oh, Doug is recording us from the cigar room today. Doug is recording us from the room where our teenage boys put all the road signs that they've stolen. Doug's recording from the gazebo. Doug's recording from the wine cellar. Doug is lost in the wine cellar. <laughs> that sounds wonderful. Yeah, I, I will have to listen to that. 
it's delightful. It is such a shining star in the podcast landscape for me. Hell yeah. How about you? Well, we here's a little uh, part of the kimono for behind the scenes of this podcast. We typically, so we release these every other week, every other Saturday True. morning. And typically we record them pretty far up between each other too, either a week and a half to two weeks apart. This is the first time in a while that we've stuck to our every week schedule. And I'm like, mm. man, a, a, a week is not enough time for me to have a new What's New Scooby-Doo. <laughs> um, it doesn't have to be new. It just has to be new to the listener. What's a, a podcast you love that maybe you've been listening to for years? Uh, well, I wasn't going to say a podcast. I was going to say something that I have been watching on repeat. Mm-hmm. One of those shows that are so comfortable that you just kind of yeah. put it on. And I don't know if I've mentioned it before, but uh, College Humor does a D&D po- uh, podcast, D&D show called Dimension 20, hosted mm. by Brennan Lee Mulligan for the most part. And they have different seasons and have different hosts of players and different games they play in different settings and when i have like when i have to turn my brain off for a while but i still want to think about dnd i will put <laughs> a season of, of dimension 20 on uh they put a couple full seasons up on youtube but most of them are behind the paywall at dropout uh, mm-hmm. which i do have and i do enjoy mm-hmm. but yeah i would recommend uh they're all villain Making fun of the Lord of the Rings series called Escape from the Blood Keep. Or if you want to go behind the paywall, there's a a crown of candy, which is Candyland Game of Thrones. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. Those are those are just a few. And I I really enjoy all these actors and and comedians and seeing what other stuff they're in and following the rabbit hole and all that. Did I tell you about sitcom D&D? You may have. What is sitcom D&D? This is a new podcast, and one of the players is Erin Keefe from Hey Riddle Riddle. And oh, it is... I, she mentioned this on an episode. I think I, that's where I've heard it. Mm-hmm. It's Dungeons and Dragons. They're in an all-fantasy setting, all Dungeons and Dragons moves and roles and all that. But they're doing exclusively like one-shot standalone sitcom adventures where like they all work in a tavern together. They never leave the tavern. It's just like, oh no, the health inspector's coming over and we gotta hide this person who was killed in a bar brawl. What do we do? <laughs> that sounds wonderful. That's a and they a new podcast. Yeah, I think it's just a couple episodes in. I listened to the first handful of them. They are standalone. You can just pick one. <laughs> it's got a sitcom, classic sitcom premise you want to hear. Just done in a fantasy world. And they put in all the sitcom sound effects like, aww, and woo! <laughs> the classics. Those two big ones. That's wonderful. I'll have to check that out. Mm-hmm. But you know what I would love for our listeners to check out? Meet the Robinsons. Time to meet them. Time Introduce to yourself. Meet, time to meet your Robinson. <laughs> Mel, this was your pick. Why did you pick yeah. Meet the Robinsons? This movie came out in 2007, and I, I kind of remember the commercials, and I thought that the movie was just what it appeared to be on the surface. Eccentric young boy is super into inventing things. Nobody takes his inventions seriously. He gets taken to the future and he's inspired by all of its inventions. And he's like, wow, 
I really can change the world by doing science. And then he yeah. finds a, a wacky future family. And I caught it on TV sometime in college. And I'm like, nobody told me this movie was so rowdy. <laughs> it's, it's very it's, weird. <laughs> I guess rowdy's a good word for it. There's a lot happening. There's twists to it. It is it is an unexpected little gem of a film. And I wanted to make sure that people knew that's what this movie is. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, had mentioned this to a couple people. And it's about a 50-50 chance that the person I was talking to was like, oh, I love that movie. Or like, what movie are you talking about? Like, it's, <laughs> it's feast or famine. You, you've, either, yep. you've either never seen it or you've seen it at least three times. Yeah. So yeah, I uh, I'm very excited. Let's uh, let's run down the facts, shall we? Mm-hmm. So let's see. The facts are a lot shorter for a movie. This was directed by Stephen J. Anderson. Stephen hasn't really done too much that most people would know. Uh, off the top of our heads, we have uh, the 2011 Winnie the Pooh and Monsters at Work. The, the little uh, five episodes oh! of, of the. Uh, the Monsters, Inc. TV show. Mm-hmm. Let's see. The writers. There's a lot of writers on this. Right. Also... I think that helps contribute to the chaotic feeling. The fact that this movie is seven different screenwriters. Yeah. The So I'm just going to run down the, the names. Uh, writing credits are John Bernstein, Michelle Bachner-Spitz, Don Hall, Nathan Greeno, Orion Redson, Joe Mateo, and Stephen J. Anderson, who directed also worked on it. And it was also based upon the book A Day with Wilbur Robinson by William Joyce. The music in the movie was done by Danny Elfman, The True Blue. Mm-hmm. And notable actors. I actually forgot to look at the notable actors. One sec. Let's see. Uh, just looking at the list of actors you've got pulled up here on IMDb. Of course, we've got Harland Williams, the rocket man himself. Mm-hmm. We yeah, he have plays Carl the robot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Angela Bassett is the, uh, the the house mother of this orphanage where Lewis lives when he's growing up before he goes to the future. Uh, quite a prolific actress. Mm-hmm. We're disappointed yeah. we don't get to hear more from Mildred. Uh, and we've got Laurie Metcalf in here as a scientist named Dr. Lucille Crunklehorn. Laurie Metcalf, you may know from a fellow animation credit as the voice of Andy's mom in the Toy Story movies. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not recognizing too many of these uh, people. It looks like Stephen J. Anderson, the director, voiced Bowler Hat Guy. Excellent. uh, Our villain in the movie. Oh, and of course we've got Tom Kenny in here. Yes, Tom Kenny plays the science teacher for Lewis. It looks like... The main character, Lewis, is played by Jordan Fry. Looking for things I, I recognize him in. It looks like he hasn't done... Oh! He was oh, Mike, he's Mike T... He's Mike TV in the Tim Burton, Charlie, and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, I see it now. That is who he is. I was like, he's got a face I recognize. But yeah, beyond that, not too many more names I recognize. I'm just going to kind of poke around now. Well, there is one important celebrity cameo, but we'll get to it when we get to it. We'll get to that when we get to that. Yeah, those are our actors for Meet the Robinsons. 
let's get right into it, shall we? We don't have an intro to watch, so we're just going to get right into the meat and potatoes of the episode, yeah. shall we? Yeah. And this movie's only 98 minutes long, not long, but there's yeah. so much that happens in it. We might uh, be a bit more loose with this plot description so that we can really get into the details uh, for some of the standout segments. Yeah. People that enjoy this movie know that some of its its brightest details are like the little jokes that they throw in. The yes. dialogue is so good in this movie. Don't expect us to hit every joke. Uh, go and watch the movie for yourself if you want to see all the little glorious details of this movie. Mm-hmm. We open with a woman leaving a baby at an orphanage in the past. We know it's in the past because it's in sepia and also it's yes. raining. So, you know, it's sad. And then we flash forward to the future. You, you remember when it only rained in the past? <laughs> in the we flash forward to the 70s the... when it only rained. <laughs> Just wet times. All that velour soaking wet. Uh, we flash forward to the current day. This little boy, he's grown up to be Lewis. He's got tall, spiky, blonde hair, the smart little sweater vest, big glasses. He is still living here at this orphanage. He's about to turn 13, uh, which is a, a, a turning point for a, a kiddo looking to be adopted. He, he knows his chances are going to go down after that. But he's more focused on inventing things. We see him fixing a toaster with this intense energy while his roommate who's this little boy named goob it's just prattles on about his baseball game but he's been kept up all night with lewis's inventing and so he's exhausted talking about baseball passionately this, but very tiredly this is the one the only mike yagoobian <laughs> michael goob yagoobian Big baseball player. He's, his team hasn't won any games all season, but he's dead set on it. Yeah. He's a baseball boy. The classic. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I they... Lewis is like sitting here working on this toaster project to make this peanut butter jelly shooting gun to make the perfect ratio PB and yeah. J. And while he's working on it, Mike is just kind of sitting there. Or sorry, Goob is just there sitting on it. <laughs> on the on the table and he's just talking about like ex being talking about baseball and talking about the big game coming up and the whole time he's like helping lewis like like move things and handing him yeah. things and yeah. stretching things and i really like this like ambiance they have with each other where mike is like well he's going to invent it anyway i'm just gonna sit here and talk to him and help him right I wish, there, I wish there was more of that in this movie yeah i can't stop him <laughs> He will invent a way and we it's just from being roommates for all these years uh i know how he thinks he doesn't need to tell me to hand him a screwdriver i know i'm supposed to hand him a screwdriver <laughs> exactly mildred comes to see the boys she wants uh well uh she wants lewis to get cleaned up he's got a couple who are coming to visit him thinking about maybe adopting him and he's they ask him, like, hey, kiddo, what's your favorite sport? Let's get to know you. Maybe we'll take you home. And he's like, let me show you a sandwich gun. <laughs> Do, have you ever <laughs> worried about the correct ratio of peanut butter to jelly? Now, no more. And he tries to make them a sandwich, but the gun explodes. He yells, 
It's jammed. (laughs) Never get tired. Never get tired of anybody saying it's jammed in relation to literal jam. Uh, the, gu- the gun explodes and it turns out that the husband has a peanut allergy and his face is swelling up. And then his wife has to stab him with an EpiPen and drag him away. And they're like, we'll think about it. Right. <laughs> they won't think the, about it. They know about it. Uh, later, and- Lewis is sulking up on the roof of the building and Mildred comes to see him and she's like, that interview went real rough today, huh? Poor Mr. Harrington. And Lewis says, I killed him? She's like, no, 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 we didn't kill him. Yeah, Mildred finds Lewis on the roof as a protagonist. He must always hang out on a roof. Yeah, he's got his spot. Yeah, and he pushes a box aside, and he's been marking tick marks for every failed interview. And he's like, 124, Mildred. 124 failed interviews. I have no future, and no one wants me. And Mildred's like, no, when when your mom dropped you off here, she, you know... I'm sure she couldn't help you, but she had a life for you. And Mm -hmm. you're going to go live that life. And Lewis completely ignores her and is like, that's it. I'll build a time machine and I'll go talk to my mom. (laughs) Kind of deal. Or no, he's he's like, I'll build a memory scanner. Right. And I saw her at one point in my life. I just have to remember her. So I'll, I'll build a memory scanner remember what she looked like, and find her, and then she'll want me, and we'll live happily ever after. And this will be perfect. Right. This will definitely work. And in order to make it work, he takes classes at the local university. He goes to a library. He's got a big stack of books. He's in an operating theater watching brain surgery or something. Operating theater. That's the word. In my notes, I put surgery (laughs) opera. That's, that's close. <laughs> that's really close. Also, to get the idea for the memory scanner, there's a big billboard on the, like across from the roof. Yeah. That just says, remember, your ginkgo blo- biloba. And I don't know what that means. Ginkgo biloba is um, it's it's a plant. It's like an herbal supplement you can take that does help your memory. Oh, <laughs> I it's knew true. ginkgo was a leaf. And like I didn't know it was the whole plant and a thing. Interesting. Yeah. That bill, uh, billboard is still there in the rest in the l- later parts of the movie. By the way, <laughs> it's a hot product. Whatever the city is, Ginkgo Biloba is their number one export. <laughs> Absolutely, they don't uh, name the city, do they? Uh, no. When he goes to the university, there's a sign that says it's Midtown U. Okay, so it's vague. Yeah, it's Midtown. He, it's like the same place where Spider Man goes to school. <laughs> yeah well Spider-Man goes to school in New York City he's from New York City D- D- Midtown's the name of his school so I imagine and- maybe it's the name of the specific sub-district he lives in and I imagine that Lewis also lives there I hope that they're neighbors <laughs> okay yeah it's one canon right if there's no Oscorp in the Tom Holland Spider-Verse I think it was this boy who messed up a spider and let the spider got loose <laughs> yeah uh, yeah, he is going and there's a big music montage as he's like thinking about this memory scanner and like building it. And he finally like builds it up. And the whole time Goob is like trying to sleep visibly. And yeah. meanwhile, Lewis is welding and he can't sleep because it's too bright in their room. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> the next morning, Lewis is done. He's all ready for the science fair and Goob is defeated. He cannot stay like stand up very well. Mm-hmm. 
and he like walks out of the room like okay big game today i hope i don't pass out and <laughs> mildred walks by and she's like are you okay goob and goob like gives her like the like the hand motion like come here and she leans down to like listen to him and she just he takes the juke the juice box he has and trades it for her coffee and then, like <laughs> down and downs it and keeps walking Mm-hmm. She just nods understandingly. Yeah, she does. She's like, this is a good pattern. <laughs> Mildred wants to tell Lewis that when he comes home from school today, there's another couple who wants to meet with him. And he says, I'm done with interviews, Mildred. I'm not going to be rejected again. I'm going to take my memory scanner to the school science fair. It'll get all this attention. I'll, I'll, I'm going to test it on myself. I'm going to see my mother's face and I'm going to find her. Yep. He's got a plan. At the school science fair, we've got the science teacher, and he has brought in a uh, a guest. This is Dr. Lucille Cronkelhorn, one of the Dr. scientists Lucille with a, <laughs> one of the scientists with a company called Event called Inventco Labs. She's been brought in as a guest judge. She's talking very fast, very frantically. And she says, thanks to this new caffeine patch, I haven't slept in eight days. You can stay awake forever with no side effects. And then she just screams. <laughs> and she's like, sorry, I don't know why I did that. <laughs> oh my God, is that a goob phone case you can purchase? Oh my God, is it? I was looking at just different goob pictures. Yeah. <laughs> It's a photo of somebody's actual son. Like you would put your <laughs> real son like in that pose on the back of your phone case in this like customized personal photo phone case. But no, it's a photo of Goob. It's a still the... of him from the movie. You're finding some good images. Like the, the listener can't see this, but you're just Googling various Meet the Robinsons pictures. And it's it's been terrific. This is for the iPhone Goob 5. not the iphone 5 the iphone goob 5 according to amazon oh no don't tell me you can buy this (laughs) we'll get to what this image is in a second but it's not it's for the ipod touch they don't make those oh my god Uh, I guess I'll have to link these images in the show notes. Hold on. <laughs> I, I, I want this image to just be our cover art this week. Forget the normal picture. I want it to be this photo of Goob. <laughs> All right, I'll save that. Uh, so Lewis comes on back to school like with his science for, science for project in tow by the way there's the name of the school is uh, i think it's joyce william high school like elementary school mm-hmm. uh, which is like you know william joyce for the name of the yeah. author so that's very nice. nice he's he gets set up for the science fair and the teachers are wary of him because apparently he's previously brought in experiments that failed and backfired and blew up uh, so it's the science teacher, Dr. Lucille Crunklehorn, and also the gym coach is there uh, under yeah, the pretense of, you're having the science fair in my gym. This is my territory. I'm going to judge. 
<laughs> he's one of those cartoon characters where you don't see the eyes in a straight on yeah. shot. Yeah. And I love that. He's just all muscles, a yep. big floppy baseball hat and no eyes. And he, he sounds vaguely like a Patrick Warburton. It's not Patrick Warburton original, but it's like within the family of Warburton-esque voices. Yeah. It's a Warbur. Maybe not a Warburton, but <laughs> at the very least, maybe a War. Uh, by the way, there's an establishing shot on this. And yeah. I I appreciate animators and all their do all they do, but they did have repeated like trifold projects. So yes. th- I no- the first thing I noticed was there were two standalone projects, both named Power of Corn. <laughs> I'm like, that can't be right. And the, yeah, they were they were doing doubles of a bunch of different projects to fill this fill the spaces, but I did Power. not see Power of Corn. I did see the one that says, Worms can learn. <laughs> Worms can learn about the power of corn. But yeah, uh, Lewis is getting his science fair project ready. And there's a weird kid kind of walking around and sneaking around the science fair. He I- is, he's very, he's a little bit taller than all the rest of the kids. And he's got this mm. like black quaffed hair that comes to a point. Yeah. Like a, like a weird pompadour that isn't, re- isn't really there. And he pulls Lewis, he pulls Lewis under the blanket that's on top of his science fair project, and he's yeah. like, "Hey, I need to ask you some questions. I'm from the the TCTF. I have to ask you a few questions. Have you seen a guy with a bowler hat?" And Lewis denies all this, and he's like, "I okay, I had to ask you those questions. Keep an eye out for bowler hat guys. Good luck with that science fair." <laughs> kind of pushes him out. Uh, Wilbur goes to leave. Did I mention his name is Wilbur? He introduces himself as Wilbur. He's Wilbur from the Time Continuum Task Force. Yeah, that's what it is. And he's, you know, he's about to leave. He's like, okay, no sign of a bowler hat guy until he sees a little derby. Not a derby. Why would I call it a derby? A bowler hat <laughs> with spider legs walk across the ground. And we see a, a, in the shadows a very tall, lanky man wearing raggedy clothes with a bowler hat. God, there's so many, there's so much in this movie. I'm already right. like, right. I'm, so I, Wilbur shows up. He's like, look out for a guy in a bowler hat. And then we see the guy in the bowler hat. He's sneaking around. His hat like comes off his head and it's got like little robot spider legs. Uh, it's going to unscrew an important part on Lewis's experiment so that when he tries to boot it up and scan his memory, it explodes. And the entire gym goes into chaos. There's a little girl there who has an experiment with frogs. The frogs all get loose. There's a kid with a volcano. The volcano explodes. The The gym is an absolute mess. And then the teachers are like, oh, Lewis, just, just leave us alone. We're going to go clean this up. And Lewis has to, to sulk away with his broken memory scanner. The memory scanner also is a, a large pair of over-the-ear headphones attached to a colander. Yeah, and the machine itself is like one of those old tv screens with like a basketball hoop around it yeah it's very it's very put together and i do like the aesthetic Mm -hmm. oh he doesn't take the memory scanner with him because the bowler hat guy takes it and i'm gonna tell you audience if you're not familiar with this movie we're not saying bowler hat guy as like a a hidden thing to learn his name later he is called bowler hat guy that is the name of this character this character's named Bowler Hat Guy. In my notes, he's BHG. Exactly. So. Yes. So yeah, 
Lewis is sorry. I'm having a hard time keeping up. Uh, right. you said, you, <laughs> We're going so fast, but we have to. I know you said Lewis ran off just now. Yeah, Lewis. He goes up to the his sulking roof where he sulks. He tears his invention <laughs> notebook apart in frustration. He's like, another experiment failed. I'll never get adopted or find my biological mom. And Wilbur has followed him up there. And he like flashes something out of his wallet. And he says, I'm a time cop from the future. And Lewis says, that's not a badge. That's a coupon for a tanning salon. <laughs> Wilbur is trying to get him to go back to the science fair and like complete his project. It's like, I'm not going to. I'm going to go back downstairs and probably stay in bed for at least two years. <laughs> and besides, you're not even from the future, like you said. How am I going to trust you to, to, if you say you believe me to finish my science fair project? And Wilbur's like, well, if I can prove that I'm from the future, then you'll go finish it, right? And he's like, yes, I'm sure, Mr. Crazy Man, I will. So mm -hmm. Wilbur starts pushing him towards the edge of the building. And Lewis reasonably enough is like hey cut that out and then wilbur throws him off the edge of the building and he lands on an invisible platform and starts screaming wilbur jumps down too and the ship this uh time machine spaceship the uh little dome on top kind of comes back and lewis is sitting inside and wilbur shuts it it becomes uninvisible and they start to fly off the design of this spaceship, as well as the future tech we're about to see in a little bit, it's very, like, retro-futurism. Yes. It's, like, uh, it's what, you know, what they thought future was going to look like in the 60s. So everything is, like, a little chrome, a little sleek. Uh, but also this spaceship is, like, a big glass dome with, like, an asymmetrical wing. It's a very yeah. cool design. And in order to get to the future, it puts a bubble, like a soap bubble, around the ship, and then they move through the time stream, and then the bubble pops, and they're in the future. It's a beautiful pastel future city. It reminds me of the opening graphics for ABC's One Saturday Morning. Yes, absolutely. They're, while they're flying around the city, they pass by the, the Disneyland and Disney World ride Space Mountain, which is in an area called Tomorrowland, but here in the future, it's in a little area with a sign labeled Todayland. I, I didn't even notice that. But yeah, they're flying around in the future. The future is full of like instant buildings. It's like a little like just add water and a whole building sprouts up. They walk through this like uh, mezzanine of transportation where people are just like put into bubbles. Those bubbles float to where tubes are and they're popped and they fall down the tubes. And Lewis is like, this is great. The future. I'm just going to stay here. This seems a lot better than my time. Right, where, right. Why where, where I don't back? have a family. Goop won't miss me. He'll get yeah. to sleep. Also, you have a time machine. Just take me back to see my mother. And Wilbur's yeah. like, no. No, I'm not going to do that. And Lewis like, ignores him and pushes his way to f start flying the ship. And they do a fight. And it crashes. And in the wreckage, they're like, well, we need to get this. Or no, Wilbur's like, my mom and dad are going to kill me. There are only two time machines in existence. And this one is broken. And the other one's in the hand of the bowler hat guy. So you're going to fix this for me because you broke it. 
Mm-hmm. And Lewis is like, well, I'll fix it, but you have to take me back to your mom to meet my mom. And that's yeah. the promise. Meanwhile, in the past, in the, the science fair timeline that we came from, Bowler Hat guys got the memory scanner that they stole from Lewis. They screw that one part back in, so now it works. Uh, I say they because it's him and his hat. His hat yes. is sentient. Its name is Doris. There were a couple times in the notes where Doris will fly off of his head and Bowler Hat Guy will be by himself. And I feel weird calling him Bowler Hat Guy when the Bowler <laughs> Hat is not present, but that is his identity. Yeah. So he goes to Inventco and he takes somebody else's appointment. He's going to go up to the big boss sitting at the big conference table and sell this memory scanner machine. But he has no idea what he's talking about. So Doris, the little floating hat, is floating outside this window of the skyscraper with a little teleprompter telling him what he's supposed to say. But then they, the big boss closes the blinds and he can't see Doris anymore and he doesn't know what to do. Uh, and it's a disaster. Mm-hmm. At one point, the boss asks him about the machine. What do you hope to accomplish with this? And he says, I want to crush the dreams of a poor orphan boy. And he's like, well, what, what about after that? Didn't you, think, <laughs> didn't you think this through? Which is a common uh, recurring question posed to Bolt Hack Guy. Yes! Why didn't you think this through? <laughs> but yeah, he uh, is, gets thrown out on the street because he couldn't, he couldn't do a good presentation. And that's what happens. You get thrown on the street. Mm-hmm. And the machine is broken because it's also tossed on the street. And on his little... Uh, he has this little binder with a check, checked like to-do list, mm. and he writes on there, "Get that at sign exclamation point exclamation point star planet boy." <laughs> a curse. Also, this isn't just any binder. This is a sparkly unicorn trapper keeper. Correct. Thank you. Thank you for correcting mm-hmm. me. Uh, back in the future, Lewis and Wilbur are pushing up the busted ship up to Robinson Mansion. Robinson is Wilbur Robin. Wilbur Robinson. It's the Robinsons. It's the movie. <laughs> it's him. It's These him. are the people you're supposed to meet. We're going to meet them in a second. Just hold on. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> and a little like window opens up from the garage and the voice says, none may enter unless they speak the royal password. And Wilbur's like, I wasn't here when you made the royal password. He's like, you're right. I'll let you in. <laughs> and <laughs> we meet Carl. Carl is this. Uh, classic, like, he would fit in perfectly with the Robots movie. He has, yes. like, Bender-style legs and arms, which are just, like, tubes, like, rotating coils, and a little cylindrical head and a little chest cavity that can open up. And he can release smaller versions of himself, uh, but it only does this to serve dinner. I, I gotta talk about this now that you've brought it up, because I'm scared mm-hmm. we will bypass it later. So later, the family's having dinner... Carl opens a, a like a door in his chest. All these little like nine inch tall Carls march out holding plates of spaghetti, which means he is storing hot spaghetti inside his body. <laughs> yeah. What do you think powers him? Spaghetti power. Hot, hot spaghetti. Steaming. Can't, ready to eat. Can't run on cold spaghetti. <laughs> I'm spaghetti only. <laughs> So Carl meets Lewis. Lewis introduces himself. Carl, like, takes aback 
takes two seconds and then screams at the side of Lewis and runs up to these uh, transportation tubes that just kind of suck you up and could take you where you need to go. Uh-huh. And Lewis is like, well, that was unexpected. And then <laughs> Wilbur comes up behind him and puts one of those giant fruit hats on him that have all different kinds of fruits. And uh-huh. he's like, as was that. <laughs> and Wilbur communicates, like, if someone sees your hair, they'll know immediately you're from the past. Don't ask me why. <laughs> right. So now... Lewis is going to spend the next like 20 minutes or something in this fruit hat. This fruit hat is here for a good chunk of the movie. Yes. Wilbur it has to go grab the blueprints for the time sh- machine so that Lewis can fix it. And he's like, hold still, like don't move. And he comes back down to, and just points at him like, don't move. And z- shoots back up. And then uh, Lewis just walks backward and gets shooped up. And gets sucked out into the lawn in front of the manor. And he wanders up to the front door. And I love this. There are two (laughs) planters on either side of the door. And two doorbells. And a little head pops up that looks like Bo Burnham. Pops up out of the the planter. And then he's like, hey, ring my doorbell. And it spooks him. And he walks to the other planter. And another Bo Bo Burnham head pops up and says, hey, no, no, no. Ring ring ah, Ring my doorbell. I'm, I was getting so tongue-tied just doing the notes because I was typing <laughs> so fast that it's now communicated to me. And um, I need to I need to express to the audience how this is said. The line read is, hey, ring my doorbell. <laughs> it, it is said that fast. Ring my doorbell. No, no, no. Ring my doorbell. Yeah, not only is this movie full of, like, wonderful little details, but it is back to back a lot of these good scenes are just cut into each other yes in like a in like a good way not in like a jarring jarring way but in a back-to-back very effect this the the, this middle section of the movie is edited together like a vine compilation yes that's that's it that's that's a good way to put it uh but yeah the who comes to answer the door do the doorbell is a giant octopus named lefty with a big red eye and Will, uh, Lewis runs away, and he bumps into a man with his clothes on backwards and a little smiley face painted on the back of his head. Yeah. The, and this old man, I called him backwards grandpa until we got to his name, which is Bud. Yeah. He says, my clothes aren't on backwards, my head is! I used to tell that one to my science students. They didn't laugh either. So what's your name, Fruithead? <laughs> he, Bud is he, very good. He can't find his his dentures, so in order to find them, he's just been digging a series of holes in the lawn. Yep. (laughs) It's got to be in one of them. And Lewis asks for help to get back to the garage. He's like, there was a monster. And he's like, no, no, that was Lefty. And he's like, I need to get back to the garage. He's like, Bud's like, okay, I know a shortcut. And then they start going through this series of tubes. Like, they end up coming out of a toilet at some point. Uh, looking on the in the inside of a turkey <laughs> when they pop out of the toilet lewis says this isn't the garage and then bud says sadly i know <laughs> a lot of good bits in this little like 20 minute uh entry we uh, we do jump over briefly to wilbur's gotten back to the garage he sees that lewis isn't there and he's like oh my god we can't let lewis out nobody can find lewis and and he wants to keep this a secret. And Carl's like, no, Wilbur, you have to get help from the rest of your family. 
Apparently, Wilbur had like left the garage door unlocked. And he says, by leaving the garage door unlocked, you let the other time machine get stolen. And now the entire time stream could be altered. That and someone took my bike. <laughs> and I need to point out that after the big O, this is the second episode in a row where a robot rides a bike. <laughs> we don't see him ride the bike. But you can picture it. You can the concept of a robot riding a bicycle has happened to us twice. I don't I don't know why Carl needs a bicycle because later in the movie he crosses at least 2 miles in four like four steps. Exactly. So. Why does Dorothy need a bicycle? She just likes it. Yeah, I guess that's fair. <laughs> anyway. Wilbur uh, Wilbur's going through this plan of how they're going to like get Lewis back and fix the time machine and everything. And he's sculpted tiny little figurines of him and Lewis to illustrate this plan that he's like pushing around on a big sheet of paper. And then he didn't have time to sculpt the time machine. So it's just an acorn that's as large as they are. And yeah. Carl runs the numbers on this potential you know, plan that he's got. And he's like, Wilbur, if you screw this up, you won't exist. No, no, no. He's not that other, he won't exist. There's a 99.999999 chance that he won't exist. And he's like, <laughs> I'll take those high. odds. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, this is inserted in the middle of Lewis's whirlwind tour of the Robinson household. We've met Bud. They the, inside the mansion. They like go past a, a large man sitting in a recliner watching a TV, and Bud says, "That's Uncle Joe. He works out." Like not as a joke, not sarcastically. We are meant yeah. to believe that this large, seemingly sedentary man does work out in some fashion. That's the thing about the introductions to every member of this family. None of it is sarcastic. Everything no. is straight faced and sincere. Yes. And I yes. love it. We meet Uncle. We meet Uncle Art, who is this dashing I'm doing super. Doing order. This is the order I have written down. My order is we meet uh, Train and Rocket and Cannon first. Oh my God, you're right. Yes, yes. So we meet uh, a woman named Billy who has a giant train, like a full bullet train, inside the mansion, and she's going to have a race against this guy named Gaston who's going to race the train by shooting himself out of a cannon. Again, indoors, indoors. in the living and room. And he's got, he's got this uh, crazy hat that's like a spiral rocket that he just, I don't think it does anything. He's just wearing it at all times. Oh, you know what? It probably <laughs> does have a, fa have a, fa a function. It's aerodynamic. Because, no, because he launches himself out of the cannon to race the train, and he hits a wall. Oh, it's, it's a big probably, spring! It, it's probably to stop his head from hitting the wall. Yeah. Uh, that's fine. I didn't think about that until right now. <laughs> so, and then, uh, yeah, they pass by Uncle Joe. He works out. And yeah, then they meet Uncle Art. Mm. Uncle Art is so cool looking. He has classic Superman, like, not Superman, superhero, like, gloves and boots and, like, little tidy whities and all that. And he's voiced by... None other than Adam West. Yes. And this isn't even the celebrity cameo we're getting to. I, I'm sorry I neglected to mention Adam West at the beginning of the discussion. Adam West I is here. That's a, of, of I thought that's who you were talking about. No, there's one more. This is oh, like okay. this was one of the key moments for me when I first saw this movie. We're coming up on it soon. I'm like, the movie's doing this? Uh, 
so here's this dashing man voiced by a literal Batman. He comes running out of the house towards a rocket ship and he's like, I'll be there right away. And then he gets in the spaceship and he's like, I will have that pizza delivered within 30 minutes or it's on the house. And after we meet Art, we meet Laszlo, who is, I want to talk about Laszlo's design also. He is, he kind of looks like Dark Knight Returns era Robin. <laughs> like, aesthetically, he is a painting fiend and he's like got this like copter backpack on. So mm-hmm. he's always kind of flying and he's got this gun that sprays paint out in different ways. But he's got like a little wisp of red hair coming out of a, a helmet and these goggles that move in emotions like his eyes would. And I love seeing that in animations where you wouldn't expect that. Mm-hmm. And then his sister, so that's Laszlo. And then his sister, Tallulah, is an Art Deco cosplayer. Yes. Like, she is just wearing buildings, and that is her aesthetic. She's yes. Full, bu- full buildings. <laughs> These are these two kids. Uh, one's one's a painter. One's a fashionista. And when Laszlo paints, he like shoots paint out of a cannon, and it makes an entire painting, like an entire yeah. fully recognized painting. Like that's just an Edward Hopper that he made with a, <laughs> a gun with a bazooka. He's just really good at it. And then uh, their mom <laughs> is uh, about four in- four feet tall and has no legs. And is attached to the arm of their dad. Uh, their dad's name is Fritz, and their mom's ma- name is Petunia. And the mom is a puppet, or is implied to be. No one addresses it as such. Right. The dad comes out, and he's like, kids, quiet down, or you're going to upset your mom. And he's just sort of peering out from around a doorway. And then his other arm jerks out from behind the doorway. And there's a puppet woman a hand puppet woman on there and she's like you kids make me so upset i gotta calm down i'm gonna go for a drive and then you see the arm go back behind the doorway and then you hear like a car in the driveway like buddha like start up and pull away and bud's like oh that's weird she usually takes the harley (laughs) and lewis just says is she and and bud says very cranky yeah (laughs) <laughs> yes it's just this man and this this puppet this puppet who may or may or may not be able to detach from his arm we're not clear it's not even like it is like that uh that batman villain that's like a ventriloquist guy where the ventriloquist dummy is the villain and the yeah. guy is like being held captive yeah it's not one of those situations uh but or not but fritz seems to be doing a voice out of the corner of his mouth Yes, uh, that too. And this is this is just a puppet, but it's hard to tell. It's right. Tell. And no one addresses it as being weird or strange. Yeah. Is, I love that for this family being so supportive. Yeah, they're so supportive of each other. They're very weird. And they like lots of unexpected things happen, but none of them ever does anything rougher to the other than like Laszlo gets paint on Lula's dress. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, they like horseplay and that's about it yeah <laughs> they, all, they all love each other and they just like playing games in this it, big old house it's the ideal family uh, we keep going there's still family yet to meet this is an entire madcap sequence the, our description <laughs> cannot capture it you have to turn on disney plus and watch it for yourself they keep they're going down a hallway they're opening doors still trying to find the garage 
And Bud says, oh, I think my wife Lucille's baking cookies. And he opens a door and she's like in a disco dancing around and he's like shaking her butt. And he's like, bake those cookies, Lucille. <laughs> and then we cut. This is this is part of the vine sequence. We yes. cut to Lewis asking, why is your dog wearing glasses? And he's like, oh, it's because his insurance won't pay for contacts. And then it cuts again. <laughs> oh, we find uh, Wilbur's mom. Franny, and she is conducting a old-time big band made entirely out of frogs. Huge frog yeah. orchestra, frog crooner singing, and then Bud's like, that frog has my teeth! <laughs> he squeezes the frog, and the teeth come flying out, and he catches it in its mouth. He's like, my teeth! And the whole family comes in to celebrate and hoist them up on his shoulders. Like, you got your <laughs> teeth back, what? They celebrate every milestone. So uh, At this point, Lewis kind of slinks away, mm -hmm. and he runs into Wilbur, and Wilbur's like, oh, no, you've met the family, and pulls him into, like, a dark room with, like, a string light. <laughs> And like, An interrogation. Yeah, he's like, okay, who did you meet and what have you learned? This is a pop quiz. Okay. And then we, we run through these like painted portraits. Did you write it down? Because I did. I did write it down. Okay. okay. Franny is Wilbur's mom. Her brothers are Art and Gaston. Uh, mm -hmm. Fritz and Joe are Bud's brothers. Fritz is married to Petunia, to Lula and Lazo are their children. Joe is married to Billy. Lucille is married to Bud. And their son is Cornelius, who is Wilbur's dad, who's not here. Uh, also, nobody knows who Spike and Dimitri are related to. Yeah, Spike and Dimitri are the future Bo Burnhams in front of the Right, house. they're, 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 they're uh, planter men. <laughs> yeah, the planter men. <laughs> the Bo's Burnham. <laughs> and w Lewis asks Wilbur... What does Cornelius look like? And Wilbur thinks for a second and says, Tom Selleck. And then we are shown a photo of Tom Selleck. These are all like illustrated, like painted yes. portraits. Yes. So yeah, it's like a painted portrait of yes. real life Tom it Selleck. It is an oil painting, a photorealistic oil painting of a photo, a true photo, a headshot of Tom Selleck. And this yeah. is the moment I saw on TV and I'm like, where has this movie been my whole life? Why did nobody tell me this is what it's doing? Why did I wait this long to meet a Robinson? <laughs> Don't you make the same mistake. <laughs> Meanwhile, back in the past, a bowler hat guy has snuck into the orphanage to try and find Lewis to get him to fix the machine. And he runs into Goob, who... <laughs> okay, now we can mention what we were laughing at earlier. He <sighs> runs into Goob holding a stake to his face because... He fell asleep in the ninth inning and missed the winning catch. Yeah. And all of his teammates, like, beat him up. Oh. And he got home, and I guess Mildred gave him a stake. But what we were laughing at earlier is is I found a phone case with that image on it. Right! A goob on, like, on his knees, clutching a giant stake to his face. And he says, Mr. Stake, you're my only friend. And someone took that image and was like, yeah, I want to look at that every day. That's going to be my phone case. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's beautiful. And, and Bowler Hat uh, Guy finds him like this. and he, he's, he's so sweet. He's sympathetic to Goob. He sees himself in Goob, and he gives Goob an evil pep talk. It's like, don't. Okay, this I wrote down. Yes. 
Good. I wrote that down word for word, but yeah, he's like, game didn't go well, huh? And he's, <laughs> Goob's like, yeah, my coach said to let it go. He's probably right. And Bowler Hat guy is like, no, everyone will tell you to let it go and move on. But don't. Instead, let it fester and boil inside you. Take these feelings and lock them away. Let them fuel your actions. Let hate be your ally, and you will be capable of wonderfully horrid things. Heed my words, Goob. Don't let it go. <laughs> is the full line. And Goob is just like, Thank you. what? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Bowler Hat guy, uh, go up to the roof and find that there's like no sign of Lewis, but there is signs of, you know, science babble talk like, oh, there's time trails left here and, yeah. and DNA of the Wilbur boy. So they go back to the future and they land in the front lawn of the uh, Robinson mansion and go invisible. Uh, meanwhile, Lewis is working on the time machine and is having a little bit of a hard time. And Wilbur just keeps telling him, like, keep moving forward to everything he yes. says. And it's ge- it's getting on Lewis's nerves. He's like, why do why you keep saying that? That doesn't help anything. What does keep moving forward even mean? He's like, that's my dad's motto. It's, it's great for everything. Yeah. He made a company, uh, did his own startup. He invented the time machines. He tried and tried again and he failed a lot of times but he always just kept saying keep moving forward and that's like on billboards all over the city mm-hmm. as they're working on fixing the machines at one point wilbur looks at him and says i can't take you seriously in that fruit hat and he gives him just a ball <laughs> cap with a lightning bolt on it yeah the the wilbur logo so j- just so the audience knows this entire time he was still wearing that fruit hat yeah the whole family was getting to know him, and they're like, I like this kid with the fruit hat. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody yeah. questions who he is. He's meeting all these people, and none of them are like, yeah. who's this fruit hat boy? I think Bud initially asks, like, hi, who are you? Right. And he explains, they- like, I'm here with Wilbur, and they that's it. That's that's no, all the explanation. They, they don't get. communicate that to a single other person in the family, that this is one of Wilbur's yeah. friends who wandered away from Wilbur. When they meet Gaston, Gaston's like, "Hi, Lewis. Will you time my race for me?" <laughs> like, 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 legit in a kids' show where you don't need any in- introduction, and a kid will just start talking to you as soon as they meet you. Mm-hmm. Bowler Hat guy lands, and Doris comes off of his head and starts to spy, and produces like a little mini Doris. Yes, underneath that like, comes out of her like an egg. Yeah, and, and Bowler Hat she- guy says. I know you could do that. That's so cute. <laughs> and now he has a remote control mini Doris that he keeps bumping into her with. Uh, and this is the point in the movie where the family is sitting down for dinner. It's 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 spaghetti oh, and meatballs. Before this, there's some bowler hat guy. He's he's after these kids, but he doesn't know exactly what he's going to do. Like when he gets a hold of Lewis. And he says, I'll turn him into a duck. Yes, that's so evil. I, I don't really need a duck. Oh. I don't know how to do that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're eating the spaghetti and meatballs, the hot spaghetti and meatballs that came out of a robot. Uh, the family's. Powers him. Hmm? That powers him. Yes, he is powered by the spaghetti that's integral to him. The family is trying to get to know Lewis, and they ask him where he's from, and he's like, uh, 
Canada? And somebody says, oh, you mean North Montana. It hasn't been called Canada in years. Yeah, it's one big state now. <laughs> uh, and I think at one point, Lucille is like, oh, if you're from that, if you're from North Montana, do you know this one person? <laughs> Maybe you have the same cowlick as they do. And they're, and they're trying to get Lewis to take his hat off. And then Wilbur throws a meatball at Gaston, which gives him like a weird meatball black eye. <laughs> I don't think it was thrown that hard, but it does look like he has a black eye. A lot of meat and eyes in this movie. At least two. Yeah. But yeah, and then he points at Franny. By the way, Gaston is just eating a plate of, of meatballs. I don't know if that means... <laughs> no spaghetti-only meatballs! I don't know if that means that Carl gave him specifically a ball only plate because he would <laughs> like it, or if he ate the spaghetti first. <laughs> Which I get it. The meatballs are the best part. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he fires a meatball out of his little handheld cannon at Franny, which starts a uh, kung fu food fight. Yeah. And you could tell it's a kung fu food fight because a little bit of color drains from yeah. the screen and it gets a little uh, it, it, it uh, looks... film grainy. Yeah. And their, their lip flaps stop matching. Uh-huh. They start doing exaggerated movements and talking out of sync with their mouths. Mm. They do this little food fight where it's like all kung fu and <laughs> Franny wins and she's like, yeah, I did it. I beat my brother. <laughs> and, and Wilbur asks somebody I didn't write down which family member he asks is dinner like this every night and they say no or Lewis asks this Lewis right I, I feel like Lewis should be named Wilbur because it feels like a name from the past instead of a name from the future they all have names from the past this is there's one of them's named Franny right <laughs> it feels more historic than Lewis does though Lewis asks yeah. somebody in the family, is dinner like this every night? And they say, oh, no. Yesterday we had meatloaf. <laughs> I think it was Adam West that said that. <laughs> Thank you, Adam West. Uh, and now they're done with their spaghetti and meatballs, and Carl is going to prepare the second course of dinner, which is peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Yep. And he wears a very similar-looking hat to uh, with a gun attachment. And when he goes to fire it, he fires toast out to everyone, and then he goes to shoot the gun, but it, it jams. It's it's jammed. And Wilbur's like, oh, this is great. Lewis needs a little, you know, confidence boost to help fix the time machine. He, he says to himself and not aloud. And he gets Lewis to try and fix it. And I guess we'll cut back to that later because we cut to the frogs that were at the jazz concert. Yeah. Outside at like a little mini bar. And... uh bowler hat guy takes mini doris and places it on one of the frogs heads and takes them over and seizes control yeah and we get some like cute little dialogue there and he's like okay go now seize the boy and you you see this little frog walk into this room (laughs) while all these people are standing around this kid fixing this uh pbj gun Mm -hmm. and he's like why why aren't you seizing the boy and he's just like well there's a million people over there and i have like a little body with little arms, and I'm just not sure how well this plan was thought through. <laughs> Buller guy is, like, fuming with himself. <laughs> Lewis uh, tries to fix the PB&J machine. It explodes, and he's like, oh, no, the family's going to be angry at me, just like my science class was mad at me, and instead they all cheer, like, you fail! 
failed. Congratulations, Lewis. <laughs> You've done it. You failed. And he's like, what do you mean? And they're like, failing is how you learn. Yeah, we've all grown from failing in different ways. Just like you will. Keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. That's that's the thesis of the entire movie. Yeah. And then Lewis uh, talks about like wishing he had a loving family like this. To which Franny, the mom, is like, you don't have a family? It's funny. I have a family <laughs> right here that could could use one more boy. One more boy, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but before they can talk about that, Boulder Hat guy is like, "Okay, if a frog won't work, I'll get a dinosaur." Right. So he goes. He takes a little tiny trip to the past. Yeah. Takes a dinosaur and brings it to the future. Meanwhile, Doris is about to kill uh, the Robinsons. Like she's about to drop a chandelier on them and is sawing away at it mm-hmm. when the dinosaur, like a T-Rex, comes in through the window and the Robinsons, you know, break into action. There's, yeah. It, it, well, they have a topiary T-Rex in the lawn, which is what inspired Bolarak Eye to go to the past and get a real T-Rex. And then when they realize, oh no, there's a real one outside our window, Uncle Art gasps and says, big boy! <laughs> <laughs> They go outside to try and fight off the T-Rex. The family uses all their different contraptions and quirks. Like, uh, Billy tries to run the train at him. Gaston tries to, like, shoot himself out of a cannon at the T-Rex. And the T-Rex does get Lewis, like, cornered in between a corner of the building. And it's trying to reach for him. But, you know, little T-Rex arms. And Bowler Hat guys, like... This is the... This was the scene that was in the trailer that everyone kind of loved the movie for yes because we uh, th- again we get the uh in you know model dinosaur speech okay. like well i have a big head and little arms and i'm just not sure how well this plan was thought through <laughs> iconic iconic they they do deca- uh, d- uh, incapacitate the dinosaur I will say later the dinosaur sticks around and seemingly just becomes part of the family. So don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Of course. This yeah, that's right. He's there at the right. end of the movie. Of course this family tamed and adopted a T-Rex. What did you expect? Uh, they run out of this d- dangerous action sequence and, and Wilbur gets comforted by his mom. His mom's like, oh, honey, you're okay. And hugs him. She's like, Lewis, are you okay? And Lewis is like, I am, mom calls her mom by accident and Franny's like well gosh we should just adopt you let's just make it official yeah and and Wilbur's like panicking yeah uh and in his panic just kind of knocks the hat off of his head and his like big tall blonde Mm -hmm. hair iconic blonde hair stands up and Lewis is like well I guess it's it's in the open I am from the past but that's okay right you could still adopt me and Franny's like, oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. And is so mad at Wilbur. Like, how could you bring him here? Mm. And is like, you're going to be grounded for the until you die, I think is what they say. <laughs> uh, and is like, I'm so sorry, Lewis. I didn't know you were from the past. You have to go back to your own mm-hmm. time. And Lewis is furious. And Wilbur's trying to talk his way out of it. He's like, Lewis says, like, Wilbur just has to go take me to see my mom and I'll go. And, Lu- and Wilbur's like, well, I was never going to do that. And so Lil- Lewis is fuming, runs off. He's like, I, ca- I can't believe I trusted you after not trusting you and tried to trust you. And then you broke my trust again. And he walks out and he bumps into the one, the only, the boulder hat guy. 
and BHG is just like, hey, why don't you come with me? Uh, I promise I'll take you to see your mom. You just have to fix this memory mm. scanner. That's it. Boy like you, you're only good for fixing things, right? You just come fix this. Uh, and then I'll take you wherever you need to go. And so we cut back to this weirdly abandoned building in this futuristic cityscape. Yeah. It's like a weird like brick building when everything else is like solid like cement or whatever the material is. And they're in the dark at this table and he's just like, Lewis is like sadly fixing this machine. It's like, okay, to turn it on, you twist this dial twice and press this button. And that's it. Now take me to go see my mom. And Doris comes off of Boulder Hat Guy's head and ties him up. And he's like, what are you doing this for? Like, you don't have to do this. And he's like, I have to change the timeline and you're a big part of it. And he's like, me? Why am I a big part of it? And he's like, he like leads him into the answer. Like, who, like, I, I don't remember exactly how he yeah. phrases it, but but Lewis is just like, wait, I'm Wilbur's dad? I'm Cornelius? Yes. And it's like, yep, yes, that's it. Th- that's why he was like, nobody can see your hair. Your hair is so distinctive. They will know that you are young Cornelius. And I realized yes. that Back to the Future is a movie about what if you went to the past and your young mom wanted to date you? And this is a movie about what if you went to the future and your wife was like, I want to adopt you as my son. (laughs) Problem. (laughs) Difficult. Difficult for Lewis to live. And he's asking Bowler Hat Guy, okay, I'm getting, like, if I'm Wilbur's dad, who are you? What do you have to do with all of this? And Bowler Hat guys, and he clicks the light. Yeah, on. he's been wearing this like dark cloak, and he pulls, he tears his cloak off, and underneath that, he's wearing the tattered remains of a baseball uniform. This is Mike Yagubian. This is Goob, <laughs> and he, and he's like, "It's you. It's your fault." And we we cut to like a vision of the past. He's like, "After I lost the baseball game, it was everything changed." And then we see him like being angry and like yelling at prospective parents and scaring them away. And then there's a shot of him at school and he's talking about how terrible his life is. And these two boys are like, Hey Goob, what's up? Cool binder. Hey Goob, do you want to come over to my house today? They all hate him. And And so like he, he took his own advice. He dug himself this deep like tunnel of hate for himself. And he stayed at that orphanage until it shut down and stayed past right. that. The, the, like, it's a condemned building he's living I in. I can't believe Mildred would allow this. She seems so caring. I don't know how Goob just continues to live in an abandoned orphanage. And we just see him lying there despondently on his bed, still in his baseball uniform. He seemingly does not go to school or get a job or do anything with his, with his life, but sit there and be angry at Lewis. Lewis, who has grown up yeah. to, to, to go by his full name, Cornelius, and he, he founds Robinson Industries, and Goob is angry, and he says, I devised a brilliant plan to get my revenge. And then it cuts to a shot of him throwing eggs at the Robinson Industries building. <laughs> yeah. And he's, he goes to pull out a roll of toilet paper, and then descending from the sky, we see Doris. And then we cut to... Uh, 
There's there's a name for this. It's it's uh, Weenie Puff Junior. That kind of establishment <laughs> where it's it's all like unicorns and, and puffy and, and all that. Kind yeah. Of stuff. And they're they're sitting in a booth, and <laughs> Goob is like pointing at his evil plan of his toilet paper. And Doris explains like, in we don't we never see Doris do anything except like whir and mm-hmm. click, but Bowler Hat guy is like. She explained her whole life to me. <laughs> and essentially, Doris was invented by uh, Lewis in, later in life to be helping hats. Like, you would wear it, and it would have these robot hands that would, like, straighten your tie for you and do stuff for you. But she knew she was much more powerful than mm-hmm. that. And she tried to take control of that guy. Uh, the the demo they were doing, they, she took control of that guy and, like, made him walk around like a zombie. Mm. And so Lewis went to put her in the hall of failed experiments, except she broke out and she found Goob in his state. Mm-hmm. And they started to work together and they broke in and they stole the uh, time machine and went to go back to try and get helping hats to be manufactured. Mm-hmm. The next note I have is that then Carl and Wilbur just show up from the future and they save Lewis and they save the box. Oh, of- yeah, they're not at the future. Mm-hmm. They're oh, not in right, the past. Yes. They're still in the future. They're just flashing back, but they are located in the future. That's correct. Yeah. But yeah, they're on the roof about to get in the time machine, I guess, to go do their plan and hold Lewis hostage. And Carl and Wilbur, like, pull up. Uh, like kind of like making bird sounds like he did in the, movie, in the movie and so Lewis knows like okay I guess I'll run off the side of the mm-hmm. building it worked so well last time and Carl catches him and they grab the box of the memory scanner and Carl is just like again he's like Bender he's just he can be as tall or long as he wants mm-hmm. to be because of these like cylindrical arms and so he starts striding like very tall he takes like four or five steps towards Robinson Manor and they're almost there. And then a claw shoots through Carl's chest and like he's like sputters and falls to the ground. Uh, and he drops the box and uh, Doris snatches it up and they shoot off to the past to, you know, really nail that business. Mm-hmm. And the whole time Wilbur's like, okay, Lewis. I, you really need to fix that time machine now. If they succeed back then, I will stop existing, and who knows what will happen. And then it starts happening. Like Lewis uh, is what? Yeah, it does stop. It starts happening. The next note I've written down is Wilbur is erased. Yeah, that's yeah. what happened. Wilbur is like pulled out of time, like 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 water getting pulled back up through a storm, and he's sucked away. And Lewis starts running for the manor. He makes it inside, and he's like at the time machine, and he sees a weird version of his memory scanner, but it's all like plugged in and like industrialized, and it shows what happened in the past with Goob like really nailing the interview. Like this is the memory scanner. This is how it mm-hmm. works. It worked perfectly. Also, I'd like to introduce helping hats, and they start manufacturing them, and they start taking control. And they like start like zooming around and like latching on the people. And we see Goob on the street like, no, this isn't what I wanted. Doris, what's happening? And he gets covered in little tiny yeah. hats. 
and is dragged off screen. Yeah, all he ever wanted was specific revenge on Lewis. He never wanted world domination the way Doris did. No. He just wanted to do a step above throwing. Yeah. So now the uh, back with Lewis at the memory machine, uh, Doris comes crawling out from behind it, as well as the regular members of the Robinsons family in like drab gray and black clothes with uh, helping hats down over their this, eyes and start walking towards. This reminded me a lot of Phineas and Ferb across the second dimension where they go to that alternate universe where yeah. everyone works for doof. All life is doof. And they just wear bland gray clothes. Yep. Yeah. That, I felt like that too. But yeah, there we don't get a clear shot of them, but we, these are all the shapes of the Robinsons and Lewis like uh, scrambles into the time machine and the Robinsons start pushing it over the edge of this, like, launch bay. And Lewis has to, like, quickly, like, fix the ship like he couldn't before. And as it's falling off the edge, it turns on and he zooms mm-hmm. off. We get a nice big chase sequence where the whole Robinson Manor was one big yeah! that kind of comes out of the ground. And the little red eye on the front is uh, a window and you see all the Robinsons in there just like heading for him. And Lewis realizes the only way out of this is to go back to the past. Oh, I got to find where I have my notes. I have the building is a giant hat, exclamation mark, explanation mark. And then I just have Lewis destroys Doris and Bowler Hat Guy is sad she wasn't really his friend. Yeah, that's what happened. Um, so Lewis goes back to back in time and he just appears over the, the boardroom table, like in this building, in the time machine. And he's like, no, Goob, she's using you. You got to you gotta stop this. And he, Doris starts like spinning up her claws and flying towards him. And Lewis just looks at her and says, I will never invent you. <laughs> Which, as time travel works, she just kind of fades away to yeah. dust. And as she was never invented. And then... He takes Goob back to the future, and we see this, you know, industrial hat-themed landscape of this apocalypse that covered, like, all these buildings, like, big lava, like, pits forging new hats. (laughs) This is like Saruman making all the Urukai. Yeah, but, but like, with gold hats. And all these... Like, apocalypse, like, nature just kind of bubbles away from the landscape as the timeline is fixed. And it's all, like, bubbling away as they fly through. And, and yeah, Bowler Hat Guy is sad. He's like, I thought she was my friend. Mm-hmm. And they land in, back in front of Wil- uh, Robinson Manor. And Wilbur, like, is deposited back into the time stream. Like, earlier's effect reversed. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you did it. And then he sees Bowler Hat Guy and, like, pulls on him, like, a way a child would pull on him. So he's got, like, his nose in one hand and, like, the edge of his mouth, like, in the other. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, 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 no. This is my old roommate. Yes. This is fine. <laughs> you let him go. In fact, he pulls Wilbur aside. And it's like, you can hear it spoken in hushed tones, yeah. but the subtitles pick it up. And it's just like, hey, I think you should, you guys should adopt him to be a Robinson. He's like, What? No, he stole from us. He tr- he kidnapped you. And Lewis is just like, I'm your father, and you will listen to me. <laughs> you will do what I say. 
pulls the dad card. But when they turn around, Goob has walked away and his unicorn binder is on the mm-hmm. ground. And the last shot we see of him is just like him like wandering off like, what do I do with myself now kind of vibes. At this point, the actual Lewis from the future, the man known as Cornelius Robinson arrives. Uh, he looks just like big Lewis, Lewis but tall. And he is voiced by Tom Selleck. Does not. Oh, yeah, I forgot about does that. Does not look like Tom Selleck. It's strange to hear, to look at this image and have it sound like Tom Selleck. It doesn't match, but I love it for the joke. Yeah. Tom Selleck is here. He's going to show his younger self to the lab. Like, this is the lab. This is where you, you grow up and you invent all of these things. And Carl's there trying to inspire Lewis to, like, build him. Hey, when you build me, when you grow up and you build me again in the future... Could you build me with more muscles, please? Yeah. He, Wilbur's gotten, um, Lewis gets to meet his older self. He gets to have this final moment with the whole family before he's going to be taken back to his own time. And he. The whole family is like saying like, goodbye. I love you. Like, it's very nice and like sincere. The T-Rex is there. Love you. See you soon. Yeah. T-Rex loves him. He loves the T-Rex. <laughs> if we don't know this, but you imagine that also to be true. Uh, you had canon and it is right. <laughs> Wilbur does take Lewis back home in his bubbled time machine. But instead of going right... But he doesn't take him back home. Yeah. yeah. Oh, go ahead. You yeah. But instead of taking him right back to the orphanage in his time when he's 13 years old, he takes him back to the orphanage the night his mom left him. It's still sepia. <laughs> He's, he rating. sees his mom sadly leave him there and he he chooses not to look at her face not to learn who she is and he tells Wilbur it's because I already have a family I, I know I've got this beautiful family to look forward to I I don't have to have this question answered in my heart anymore I am content yeah and he and then Wilbur takes him back to uh, when he's thirteen, the timeline he he came from, and they hug, and he's like, "I never thought my dad would be my best friend." And then before he leaves, the time machine apparently has skywriter capabilities because he writes, <laughs> "See you later, Dad," in the sky. Yep. Uh, t- he dropped him off early enough that Lewis realizes he has time to go to the baseball game, Goob's baseball game. He runs over there. Goob's asleep in the outfield, but he yells and he wakes him up and Goob's flailing his arms around and he catches the ball and he wins the big game. And his friends lift him up on his sh- on their shoulders and they don't punch him and he has to put a stake on his eye. <laughs> Do you know why people put stakes on their eyes? Uh, is this a fact that you know or a fact that I you don't? I do know. I imagine it's because they're cold. Yes, that's it. Okay. <laughs> in in older decades, when you didn't have like a full fridge, your family just had like an ice chest, you mm. would put the stuff that most needed refrigeration in there. So you would put these cuts of meat. So if you had an injury that needed to be iced to be cooled down, you would just put the steak on it because the steak was the coldest thing that there was. And then this image continued and we grew up thinking, oh, it's... The power of steak, the intrinsic <laughs> power of steak that will take care of a black eye. When it is not, it's just cold. So just put an ice pack on there. 
That's a li- That's pretty unsanitary, unless you're going to eat it that night. Right. <laughs> I've never heard of anybody who literally put a steak on their eye. I don't know if we ask our, our oldest aunts and uncles if they will remember this. This does sound like something our mom would have done for us as a kid, though, if we didn't have ice. <laughs> put a steak on it. Put a steak on it. We had the bag of the bag of frozen peas is what you see now. We're still continuing to use food in this way, but it's it is a more sanitary food. Yeah, it's. In a I bag. just wanted to make. I just wanted to make sure that the audience knew. Uh, you don't need to put a steak on your eye. Save that steak. If you're wondering, don't. <laughs> this is our health advice to you. Yeah. If you want to meet the Robinsons, don't put steaks on your face. After he saves Goob's baseball game, Lewis goes back to the school gym where they're still cleaning up after his failed science failed fair ex- science fail experiment. And he's like, I, I've still got it. I've still got all the pieces. I know what went wrong. Please, Mr. Science Teacherington, l- let me do it again. Please, and, Tom Kenny. <laughs> right, help me, Tom Kenny. And he's going to put the memory scanner on Lucille. And the memory she wants to remember is her wedding day. And she walks up to the altar. We see this all like through her eyes in the memory scanner machine from her perspective. She walks up to a man who's wearing his suit backwards and he's got a smiley face drawn on the back of his head. And then here he walks up in real life like, hi, honey, how's the science fair going? It's me, your (laughs) husband, bud. That's right. We met Lucille earlier in the movie. This is is the frantic coffee woman. Your name isn't Robinson. It's Crunklehorn. (laughs) And this is where Lewis realizes this is where his life gets started. These are his parents. These are the people who will adopt him. And there was this little girl in his class who had an experiment with frogs. And he's like, wait a minute. Frogs? What's your name? And she's like, I- I'm Franny, and this is my frog, Frankie. And she takes Frankie, and like, as she's packing up her frogs to leave, she throws Frankie into a cardboard box. She throws him. <laughs> There's a little image on the sides of the box that's just like a little outline of a frog that says fragile on it. <laughs> they are. That's true. Yep. Don't throw a frog. Don't throw frogs, guys. Don't put snake on face. Don't throw a frog. Don't. Uh, if you do the, get... any of these things, you will be in trouble with us. <laughs> Rob Thomas sings a heartwarming song as we get this final montage where Lewis packs a... You know, the, this couple agrees to adopt Lewis. They see a young science genius in this boy. They want to take him into their home. He goes to the orphanage and packs up his things and he hugs Mildred one last time. He, he sees Goob have a positive interview with his own new potential parents. And then he goes home with the Robinsons and they move into an observatory uh, that's labeled the Anderson Observatory, I believe named for the director. Oh, uh, that makes sense. And that's it. He has, he's got his future all set up. Yeah. And... And <laughs> no more Robinsons. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, not. We do get a quote. I, oh, that's true. Yes, the final. Did you write down the entire quote? No, of course not. Not from Walt Disney. 
Uh, it, it's it's a long, expansive quote that talks about keep moving forward, and they just yeah. kind of fade out uh, right. everything and except for keep moving forward. And it's real conversational. Like, it starts with, so that's what we do here at our company. Like, this is clearly dialogue they directly pulled out of his old TV broadcasts. Uh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> and then, then yeah, as, as it fades away, they leave the phrase, keep moving forward out of this entire quote lit up on the screen. And that's Meet the Robinsons. It is. I wish this movie continued to have a presence. <laughs> I wish we ever did get to meet the Robinsons another time. The only recent presence of this movie I've seen is that for Halloween, uh, Disney will do this like after hours Halloween party in the parks where they have a villains parade. And at that event, they will pull out all of these obscure villain characters all these costume characters oh. that never come out but once a year. And Bowler Hat Guy is in there. Interesting. Uh, I was going to say that there was an idea for a sequel. But <gasps> once John Lasseter take, took over as CCO of uh, Walt Disney Animation, they stopped trying to do uh, sequels for like mm. the little one-shots. Oh, there's a They Might Giants song on this. Cool. Um Oh, they did a cover of There's a Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow. That's the song from uh, the Carousel of Progress, a a Disney ride. That's wonderful. Uh, But yeah, there was going to be a Mithropsons 2 colon first date. uh, What? I guess, yeah, about like maybe like Lewis and Franny. And yeah, it it got canned because they wanted to focus on like more spin-offs and like original movies than sequels. Uh and there was also a video game, Disney's Meet the Robinsons. Mm-hmm. On a lot of different systems. Yeah, I've got the soundtrack pulled up too. That was nice. All Ama- All American Rejects was the song that was played <laughs> when they got to the future. The future mm-hmm. has arrived. But yeah, a lot of good songs on this actually. Mm-hmm. Um But yeah, this is a really good movie. Even I've watched this movie so many times that when I was taking notes, I had it paused and I just kept taking notes like, and then this happens and then this happens and then this happens. And I got to just kind of watch for 10 minutes before I had to take more notes because I just remembered what happened. Mm-hmm. This was a good rewatch and a, and a highly recommend. It's only an hour and a half. Very yeah. colorful, colorful, very colorful cast of characters. And yeah, it's on Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. Easily accessible. Great for the whole family. Yeah. So thank you guys so much for listening. Mel, this was your pick. Yes. Uh, next time we will be next time this comes out will be June eleventh, and that will be Pride Month. And we are I, I mean, I am LGBTQIA part of the queer community, and I wanted to do a little bit of uh, Pride Month themed cartoons so next time we're gonna look at a show that gave a lot of like gender fluid and trans people a good like it a better hero even if the creators didn't really like to use the right those terms it created this nice figure and hero for those people and we're gonna watch cyber six next week but yeah it's a kind of like a, like a weird hero nighttime fighter character uh <laughs> who's like a genetic engineering survivor. We'll, we'll talk about it later when we get to it, but yeah, tune in for that next time. 
if you guys would like to talk about the show, we'd love to hear from you on Twitter. We're uh, at SaturdayMOPod. If you would like to inquire about being a guest on the show or recommend shows for us to watch or movies, you can email us, SaturdayMOPod at gmail.com. If you give us a five-star rating and review, wherever you are able to review podcasts, we would super appreciate it. It really helps people find the show. And if you take a screenshot of it, we'll read it on the end episode. If you'd like to talk to me on Twitter, I'm at James Wilk. Mel? I am on Twitter and Instagram at WilkyWit. That's W-I-L-K-Y-W-I-T. And listen to my other podcasts on the Whatnots Network of Podcasts. I'm on the Review Show, which is a weekly book club style media discussion show. We're always talking about a different movie or a couple volumes of a comic or a season of a TV show. And I'm on the Captain's Log every week, which is our general nonsense off-topic chat show. And we also have the Reactor Core, which is our feed for brand new media that we want to talk about. So as this episode releases at the end of May, uh, you can hear us talk about uh, at least all the episodes of Moon Knight and Multiverse of Madness, whatever else will have happened by May, uh, Obi-Wan. We'll see. But yeah, go check that out. And most importantly, don't forget. Relax. Kick back. It's Saturday. It's Saturday. Mr. Fix-It, how's it looking? Pretty good, Mrs. Robinson. I've recalibrated the dispensing conduits and aligned the injection mechanism. And... <laughs> there he is, that repulsive half-witted fool. Now, my slave, seize the boy. Bring him to me. Did you not hear what I said, you idiot? Grab the boy and bring him. Well, it's just that there's a million people over there, and I have little arms. I'm just not so sure. How well this plan was thought through. Master? Master? Okay, that should do it. It's so exciting. Let her rip, Lewis. Quickly. Uncle Joe can't hold on much longer. Everybody ready? Go, Carl. Oh, no. I didn't know. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. You failed! And it was awesome. Exceptional. Outstanding. Oh, I feel better. From failing, you learn. From success, not so much. If I gave up every time I failed, I never would have made the meatball cannon. I never would have made my fireproof pants. Ah, <laughs> uh, still working out the kinks. Like my husband always says. Yeah. Oh,